Here's our friend and pop culture expert, Vicki Sparks. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, we brought you in because uh, we're going to discuss, uh, Jackie, you actually uh, sourced this and uh, found this article. It was in the New Yorker. Yes, it was. And this is on fan culture and uh, what it's kind of doing to the state of entertainment. Yeah, and, and it's funny because uh, I frequent Reddit a lot and there's lots of Rick and Morty jokes because of that fan base being, uh, uh, stereotypically, I'm smarter than everybody else because I watch Rick and Morty. So I thought it was an interesting article. Okay. So in other words, like the Rick and Morty crowd, they feel like they're kind of above everybody yeah, else. Yeah, and, and I think it's ruined this show for people who might have wanted to get into it. Uh, for instance, I will not watch it. <laughs> but it's, it also has to do with the, uh, you know, the constant uh, burping sounds coming out of Morty or whatever. But, you know. Okay, on a different level, I kind of feel the same about Game of Thrones. Because ah. I was on the outside looking in when it comes right. to a Game of Thrones. And particularly, uh, Sparkster, this uh, last season of Game of Thrones, when everybody's right. going, crazy about you it. Didn't, you had nothing to contribute. Yeah, and I kind of felt as if, uh, you know, oh, you don't watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, you. So d do you think that there's something to this? Is fan culture ruining entertainment? Yeah, I mean, I think, listen, fan culture has been around since there were people to be fans of. I'm sure Shakespeare had groupies back in the day. Um, <laughs> but with the advent of the internet, with the advent of social media, it's taken a really different turn, right? People used to Girls who were obsessed with Elvis had no direct path to Elvis. They couldn't tweet Paul McCartney of the Beatles when they were obsessed with his hair in 1961. Um, now they can. And it's great in so many ways because it creates this bigger conversation with people who love a show or a band or a person or whatever they love. And they get to kind of be a part of it and feel included in something they love, which is fantastic. But it also maybe gives them a sense of entitlement over whatever the product or person is that they don't necessarily really deserve. And that's keeping those that are on the periphery on the outside because they don't feel yeah. as if they're, uh, again, if it's a Game of Thrones, if yeah. you haven't watched every single episode from season one. You haven't earned the right one, to call yourself a fan. Exactly. Yeah. And you cannot be part of our conversations and get into kind of the, the nuances of the show. It's true. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's... That's the downside to it, right? This thing that should be bringing people together over a shared interest or common interest is actually keeping people out. All right, do you think that the, this fan culture, as it's uh, described in this New Yorker article, do you think that these are people that are just a little too into these shows? Yes. <laughs> Boy, that was biting your tongue if I've ever seen it. Right? <laughs> Please don't get angry at the at me on the internet for saying that. Um, yeah, I think, listen, these fandoms wield an immense amount of power, and that's why everyone's a little afraid of them and a little to call them out and say, like, buddy, it might be time to get a life. Like, I love Taylor Swift as much or much more than the next girl, but, like, I don't need to go around the internet defending her from people. She can handle it on her own. Mm -hmm. um, but these fandoms, if you've ever had them turn against you, it can be terrifying. People have to change their lives when fandoms turn against them. There are people who have received, you know, death threats on the internet, had their identities exposed, had their phone numbers put out there, their home addresses, pictures of their kids taken offline for expressing an opinion about someone or a group or a movie or whatever that that these fandoms don't agree with and it it's 
that's insane. Yeah, I mean, these are the, the so-called Swifties that yes. love Taylor Swift so much, or is it the Beehive to from be, Beyonce? To be fair, the Swifties are mostly gentle. Uh, mm-hmm. But yes, the Beehive, uh, Menagiacs, I believe, are Nicki Minaj's okay. fans. I'm maybe not pronouncing that exactly right. You but know, I love all these uh, fan nicknames, yeah. because it's not only for celebrities, but it's for shows. Uh, for example, I mean, I love Suits that shoots right. here in Toronto, and if you're a fan of Suits, you're a suitor. Oh, I had no idea. Yes. Congratulations. You're finally in the club. Yeah. Well, it's almost like those uh, celebrity couple names, like yeah, the Brangelinas and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, they've come yeah. up with all these nicknames now for these this fan culture. Yeah, and I think that's a nice part, right? People like to feel like they belong to a certain club or group or whatever. And this gives you that sense that you do belong. You know, I'm a Swifty or I'm a Beehive member, both of which I am proudly. Um but only in the positive ways. I think there's a really, really fine line with all of these things where it, you know, the term Stan that we kind of use for these intense fandoms came from the Eminem song called Stan, right? Which is about a fan that is so fanatic in his appreciation of Eminem that, you know, he becomes obsessive and stalkery and ends up dying and killing some people. It's not a positive term. And they've kind of taken it to just be like, oh, I'm really intense about my feelings about this. But... I mean, for, for the most part, I would say 90% of them maybe need to look at how intense those feelings are. Well, I think uh, Exhibit A of this uh, might be something we saw earlier this year. Again, yeah. back to Game of Thrones and the final season, and yeah. fans were so incensed and so upset about the way that that final season was yeah. uh, unfolding that they were actually actively tweeting at and going after the producers of the show that they wanted, like, essentially a redo. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they had that petition, right? It garnered almost 2 million signatures that the entire last season should be redone. And I can understand being disappointed with the final season of something for it to have gone in a direction that you don't feel is appropriate or you don't feel like is true to the characters. But the bottom line is those people on that show know those characters better than you. Even if you spent your life at your computer, learning about them, loving them, being passionate about them, you've been passionate about what those people are doing for work. So you ha- I think you have to step back and say that the only reason you love them to begin with is because you did connect with something that these people were doing. And even though they've made a decision that takes it in a different direction than what you were hoping, doesn't mean that it all becomes negated with that one decision. Yeah, and back to your earlier point about the internet and the role this has played in kind of this explosion of fan culture, it, yeah. it used to be that uh, you were passive, that you sat back, you watched right. a show, and you might not have liked the ending or yeah. you know the way an episode uh, unfolded, but that was it. Uh, you moved yeah. on. Now, all of a sudden, because of Twitter and all of that, you see Game of Thrones fans and other mm-hmm. fans of other shows get really active about, uh, instead of being passive, they're, they're active about the way they think these shows should be shot or, yeah. or written. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's really interesting, right? Even 10, 15 years ago, if you didn't like that night's Seinfeld episode or ER or Friends or whatever it was that you were watching, maybe you talked about it at the water cooler the next day. You shared your opinion with some real-life people that you really knew, and everyone you know agreed to disagree and went on their way. Now you have this megaphone where you can shout into a void whatever you think about it, and it really you're really shouting it into it. You're preaching to the choir. So Mm -hmm. it's just going to get amplified over and over again by people who agree with you or don't agree with you. But it just, it gets so negative so fast now. And I think that that is part of the problem with kind of these internet communities that, that have taken over. 
Do you think producers of these shows, do they take this so seriously? I mean, yeah. they must see this uh, online. Do you Absolutely. think that they really take this seriously, or are they sitting back going, listen, it's our show. <laughs> right. If you don't like what's going on, feel free to write your own show and get that greenlit. Yeah, no. I mean, I think that's the uh, opinion they would like to be able to take, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> but I think you can't deny how powerful these groups are now. Online engagement with your fans can make or break a show. Um, quite interestingly, a few years ago, the TV show Scandal started. It was a Shonda Rhimes show. Yep. Um, it was a new show. It wasn't a spinoff of any of her previous shows. It had a fairly unknown cast. None of them were superstars yet. And they decided that they would all live tweet the show every Thursday night when it aired and engage with whoever was out there watching the show. And it is the reason that that show got greenlit for a second season because they managed to conjure up this incredibly passionate, small but mighty fan base, and they were strong enough to get them into that second season, which, you know, the ball started rolling and it kind of got a wider release and more people got into it. So it's great in those ways where you feel like you're a part of the show and you're helping the show mm-hmm. continue on. Do you think it's great for the creative process, though? Because if these producers are yeah. paying attention to this fan culture and these uh, Uber fans, are they scared to take risks with their characters and with the show? Because, I mean, one of the things I think we all love uh, about a show is sometimes is the unexpected twist or turn. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it absolutely stifles the creative process. I mean, all you have to do is look at Game of Thrones. It's the perfect example. They had... Seven seasons of groundbreaking television that literally set a new bar for what we expect on television and what we deem to be award worthy and critically acclaimed. And all they will be remembered for now is their last season, almost exclusively. So Mm -hmm. I think it's absolutely terrified people into making safer decisions and I think even to some point making fan-led decisions, which is a dangerous and unworthy path to go down because, listen, fans think they know what they want, but sometimes when you see it play out, it's not really what you wanted or, you know, the will-they-won't-they relationship on TV is the most interesting one. Sometimes people Mm -hmm. get together and you're like, "Ah, I'm kind of over it now. So sometimes what you want isn't really what you want. And I think producers and creators used to know that and they would keep people on the hook and now the screams of their fans are so loud that they're being forced to give in to them a little bit. It's the old adage you have to wonder is the dog wagging the tail or right. is the tail now wagging the uh, dog. Exactly. Interesting stuff. Uh, Vicki Sparks, great to see you as always. Have a Thank great weekend. Thank you. You too.